Hey, everyone. Thank you for checking out our first podcast. My name is Mitchell. I'm Samantha. And we are coming from the Nova Southeastern University College of Allopathic Medicine. Uh, we had an idea to start a podcast. Uh, we've never really done one before. We kind of wanted to just outline a lot of different things about our experience here at the school, and we thought a great first episode would be doing just that. Uh, we're in our fourth year. We're deep in the interview season right now, and we thought we would just take this time to kind of reflect on our experience here as fourth years at a charter class. And I think that's probably the most interesting part of today's show is going to be that we are a charter class, and we're going to be able to walk you through years one through four and just tell you about our experiences um, as they were. Yeah, so we made a little outline just to keep things organized. We don't want to make this super formal. Uh, the first thing we wanted to talk about is just the school in general, what it is. Not many people have heard of our specific program. Um, so we're at Nova Southeastern University in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Uh, it's technically in Davie, Florida, which is a smaller town west of Fort Lauderdale. Um, our school has had a DO program for a few decades now. It's pretty well known in Florida, at least, um, the Nova DO program. And then a few years ago, starting in 2018, we started an MD program, and we are both part of the charter class here. We now have a full range of classes. Uh, we're fourth years, and we have first years now. So we have each year here. Uh, so it's, it's grown quite a bit since we've been here. And I think one of the misconceptions that at least I've been encountering on the residency interview trail, and I don't know about you, Mitch, but... Um, People always ask, how are the classes set up? Are you in class with your DO colleagues? Uh, we're not. Actually, this is a, we're a very small class. There's only 50 per class. We have a different curriculum. It's called PBL, stands for Problem-Based Learning, and we learn in small groups instead of your traditional lecture format. So we'll, we'll be in small groups, like six to eight of us per group, and then we work through cases, and that's the main brunt of our learning. Yeah, and I had known that like some schools, I believe Michigan State has a combined, not a combined program, but they have both MD and DO. I always thought maybe they would share classes at least. Um, here, we don't share any classes. I know we see them quite a bit on the on our clinical rotations. We'll you know, work on teams with the DO students uh, in schools that are around the area. We'll just share hospitals with, but as far as our curriculums, they don't really overlap at all. And it's interesting, too, when, you, when we first came to campus, I think the biggest, the most noticeable thing was that the dress code. Yeah. It was different. It was definitely different. Uh, at Nova, pretty much every school has their own scrub color, whether it's, I think the deals are light blue, there's like green for pharmacy, I believe. Uh, there's purple, black, a lot of different colors because Nova has a lot of different pre or health professions here. Uh, even the, the the building we're in is called the Health Professions Division. There's there's probably close to like ten programs I feel like, but our dress code is business professional or like you know business casual. So we kind of stick out like a sore thumb, but I think people have kind of just gotten used to it and it doesn't really matter anymore. Uh, we've kind of embraced the polo and khakis. I think beyond we had the first ever of its kind combined white coat ceremony. In the history of white coat ceremonies in the world, ours was the first of its kind. We actually had the president of the AAMC and the president of the AOA um, come and speak at the ceremony. And that was the only time we did like an official school-sponsored event together, the two different programs. Yeah, it was definitely a cool day. But after that day, I mean, we're very like, we're cool with the DO students. I'm friends with tons of them. And, you know, we meet them on the clinical rotations, like I said. But beyond that first day, it was really uh, a separate journey for us. And we're going to tell you about that journey. Yeah, so uh, one of the things we wanted to talk about was kind of what appealed to us and what brought us to this school in the first place. I know that's going back like almost four years at this point, um, but what, what kind of appealed um, what, what kind of appealed you to come to this school back in 2018? 
You know what? It's funny you say four years ago because my interview was exactly four years ago. And, well, maybe a little bit longer. It was done January 12th, 2018. I don't remember my exact day. I feel like it was January like third or something, like maybe the fifth. And I, I think I got my, my acceptance. I think I got on January 28th. Maybe I'm wrong. Wow, that's a quick turnaround. But it was definitely January. It was about a month after, I think. Wow, why don't you brag about it? <laughs> <laughs> I know we weren't on the same day. I know I had two people that were in our class that were on my interview day. Um, I did too. I had a, a few of my classmates are actually were at my interview day. Um, but my interview day, it was January 12th, 2018, four years ago. And I remember it like it was yesterday. I really do. It, um, it was probably the best... So when I went on my interviews for med school, I ranked, uh, I ranked based off of what they provided for lunch. And this is very important, right? Some places would just give you a box with a sandwich in it. Um, and then other places, uh, like NSU, we, NSUMD, we had, a, um, we had a taco bar. Did you guys have the same taco bar? We did. And my favorite part about the interview day, when you mentioned that I thought about this, was they had these little triangles that were like cinnamon sugar yeah, triangles. I mean, it was really the highlight of my day. Um, Jamie Reed, one of our admissions coordinators, she was there. She was, like, my favorite person. So, like, she was one of the highlights of my day, but, like, the taco bar with the cinnamon twist or the cinnamon triangle specifically was one of the main reasons I came here. I would agree with you. I had the cinnamon twist after I had my main tacos, um, and they were delicious. I think I had about a full plate of them. I didn't care. I know I was at a med school interview, and you should care about those sorts of things, <laughs> but I was going in. I had a full plate. Um and it was an MMI. That's the kind of interview we had. Did you guys have the same? Yeah, we, yeah, had, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we all had the same interviews, I'm sure. Um, and the thing that stuck out to me the most was this idea of being a member of a charter class, um, knowing that it would be kind of a once-in-a-lifetime thing, and we would always have this impact, a lasting sort of impact on the mold of the, the personality of the program. Um, so they sold me on that. And the small class size, I think, was the biggest sell for me. 50, 50 students. Yeah, I remember, I don't even know if I was considering medical school yet. I think I had just started college at UCF or sometime shortly after, maybe 2012, 2013. And UCF, which is the University of Central Florida, they had just started their medical school. And I remember seeing they had a charter class, and I thought that was just so cool, like being what it would be like to be part of the charter class in medical school. So when I had that opportunity to interview here, I was super pumped um, and, you know, eventually got accepted. And it was it was kind of a no-brainer for me to stay in Florida near my family while, like, being, you know, it really is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to go to a new medical school. Um, so I was really stoked about it. And my interview day was great. Everyone was very relaxed. Um, Jamie and, like, Dean Pritchett and the whole team were just super inviting, super welcoming, very down-to-earth. Um, and I got along with the people I interviewed with. Um, the MMI was kind of stressful. I think I did pretty well, except for one station I absolutely bombed, and I thought that was it. Um, <laughs> it was really tough questions. I, obviously, I can't say specifics or anything, but um, it was one station stood out, and I thought that was it. Um, but yeah, once I got that acceptance, I remember I was just I was driving to have lunch with my wife at work at her work one time. Um, I was just off for that day. And I remember I was at a red light and I looked down at my phone because it went off and I, I saw the acceptance and I opened it really quick and I called my wife and I was like, I think I was like crying. First time I cried in forever, but <laughs> it was it was a good experience. And um, I had been accepted to another medical school, but it was out of state. Um, and it was somewhere I was happy to go, but it wasn't anything like, you know, staying in Florida and going to a charter class. Did you cry? I did cry. For sure I cried. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I think differently of you now. Thank you. More respect, actually. Okay. Thank you. Um, when I got in, I remember 
I chalked it up that I blew, I thought I blew the interview. Um, it had, I'm not from Florida. Uh, I had moved here from Colorado, so I was, in, I was in Colorado prior to coming out here for med school. And um, it had, my interview date had coincided with my annual Disney World trip. Okay. And so I was at Disney World the night before. Um, I was there pretty late. We were there till like 3 a.m. Then we drove the three, four hours it took to get down here. And I slept for 45 minutes at that that uh, unsavory Holiday Inn on Davy Road. I just had to cocoon myself into like a blanket because it was just kind of dirty. Um, you know which one I'm talking about, the one next to the Waffle House. Yeah, shots fired at Holiday Inn. Sorry. Um, so I I showed up. I didn't have much sleep, but I figured, eh, this is going to be fun. And I thought the MMI was actually pretty fun. It was fun. So much to the point where after one station, Dean Pridgett was walking by and I said, hey, this is pretty fun. And he walked by and he said, well, we'll see how fun it gets when you get to committee. And I was like, oh, man. That's such a Dean Pridgett thing to say. I know, right? Like biting humor. Like very, very nice, but at the same time, just kind of savage. But I didn't know. Like I thought, oh, man, I I just blew it. And I figured, okay, I blew it. And then the tour bus left without me for the day because I was too caught up telling <laughs> um, two of our deans, who I didn't know were deans at the time, um, about my, the previous night at Disney World. And then the, everybody, I looked around, everybody was gone. And then Jamie had to come back and get me. And I was like, okay, I blew that one, but it's fine. Um, you know, we'll see how it goes. But then I did. I got the acceptance uh, on Valentine's Day, actually. I was working at my job at... Uh, at uh, CU as a scribe, and as we were walking into a into a room, I got the email. It was right when Gmail started to divide your emails into social promotions and primary inbox. I remember that, and like you would miss some stuff. Mine was in promotions. That's really cool, was, though. Yeah, it was a constant contact <laughs> oh my uh, email, so it ended up in promotions, and they just said dear and then my last name and I was like oh maybe they messed up. Mm-hmm. But I got accepted, and you remember the little video attached? I do. It was a moving video. Yep. Is that what made you cry? I don't know if it was the video <laughs> specifically, but I think that added to it. And, you know, it was just a really simple video. It's just congratulations. With Dean Pritchett. Yep, congratulations. He's the face. You, yeah, so I, I remember, no, the video definitely added to the excitement. Yeah, the video was cool. I, th- I don't think I've ever seen anything like that. Yeah. Um, so what do you, and you kind of started to touch on it, but what was it like moving? I know you said you're from Colorado. Uh, what was it like moving down to Southeast Florida for you? So for me, like I, we, well, my husband and I had been living in Colorado for about five years at that point, but um, I'm originally from Reno, Nevada, which is much different than Florida. But I had lived in a few places since then. Um, I lived in Texas, actually lived in Naples for four years down here in Florida, but on the other side. Um, so moving down to this part of Florida... I guess the east coast of South Florida, which is known as South Florida, uh, it, it was a it was a long drive. Uh, we drove down here with uh, three cats in the car, and um, you know we moved here. It was different. The humidity was something I had to get used to. Yeah, I feel like maybe you would have been more used to it since you had been in Naples before. You know, it's not like a brand new thing for you. Um, I was coming from Orlando, obviously. Sam and I are friends, so like we know this stuff about each other already, but just for some context. Friends. I, I, friends. I was coming from Orlando. Um, I had, you know, I hadn't really been to, I've been to Miami for like a football game once before and maybe for something else, but I hadn't really been in South Florida for an ex- extended period of time. Um, you know, so once I moved down here, it just felt like I was just a little bit further away drive. You know, when I went to UCF, I was about 45 minutes an hour away from home. 
didn't really feel much different. It was just like an extra couple hours on the turnpike. Um, so I, I warmed up to it pretty quick. I guess it was different living in a small town in central Florida, um, about 45 minutes from Orlando, then moving down here near Fort Lauderdale and especially Miami, uh, just a lot more people, um, you know, definitely a different environment. Something I struggled with when I first moved here, um, having come directly from Denver, uh, totally different, um, totally different cultures between the cities. For sure. And that really, like, I really noticed it. Um, I remember I was angry at people, even my classmates, for using, like, Dasani water bottles, <laughs> especially since the school gave us, you know, reusable water bottles, I think, on our second day or something. Um, so I, it, even to the point with, are, are we in the same LCM? We are. Mm-hmm. So I would chastise those in our LCM, like, at those meetings that we would go to, which stands for learning community uh, members. Uh, I would chastise everybody for drinking out of the, the reusable, like, the... The plastic water bottles. I remember. I think I remember you doing that. And, like, this is before we were homies. And I was like, wow, she's really serious about this. Like, yeah, I need to bring my Nalgene. I don't want to I want to piss off Sam. Yeah, I would, I would make sure to bring it up every no, single time. No, but you're right. It's definitely a uh, – disposable water bottles are, are pretty popular. I feel like in the whole, like, medical community, there's water bottles everywhere you look. I and When I when I got to one of my first – when I got to my very first rotation, it was actually one of the defining features <laughs> of that place was That's, an Aquafina water bottle. Yeah, we can't name names, but I definitely remember that too. There was Aquafina <laughs> everywhere. It was Aquafina Medical Center. So we move here. We get here. We become medical students. Well, this is July, end of July of 2018. Yep. Big, big change in our lives. Um, actually, I got to say, I do remember, even though uh, you say we didn't become homies until later on in the school year, you did send me a Facebook message. No, you're right. You're right. Yeah. So maybe we weren't like super tight, but we did talk on Facebook because like a lot of us had made a little Facebook group. And I remember like you were married, I was married. So we were talking about like where, what apartment we were going to live in and like... We yeah, and we both have cats. We both had cats, so yeah. we definitely did connect before school started, but we weren't homie level yet. Yeah, yeah. For it, sure. It was too soon to know if we were homie level. So we get here, and the first class that we start, actually, it's not really a class, but it's called professional immersion, and it's what you spend your first two weeks doing here. So you don't just ju- jump straight into learning about, you know, antibiotics and, and different microbes and stuff. You actually have to do a professional immersion course, which you kind of get a taste of the PBL format. You're in a small group. There's a, a book reading assignment. Do you I remember rem- that? I do. And I, yeah, it was a good book. And I remember PI, a professional immersion. I remember it feeling to me like a really long orientation, which is kind of exactly what I needed just because we were all super nervous, obviously. Um, you know, you're in medical school. You don't have any experience to know what medical school is like. You know it's really important. You know it took a lot to get there. So then kind of being thrown right into the fire would have been tough on top of the nerves that were already there. So it kind of gave me at least a two-week simmer-down period for my nerves. Uh, I can actually start learning about, like, what resources I was going to use and stuff without going overkill and preparing, like, way ahead of time for no reason. Um, One other thing I'll say that maybe I should have talked about when we were talking about moving, I remember medical school for me, and everyone's different, but I remember for me it felt very different than going away to college. I just remember feeling the gravity of the situation. Like it did take like quite a few years to prepare, like to even have a shot of getting in. And then once you get in, it was like, it was kind of like a final realization moment of, wow, I'm actually here. 
um, which was obviously felt great. But at the same time, the weight of knowing that like you really can't mess this up, like you can't fail this because it took so long to get here. It definitely hit me harder, um, especially the first semester. I don't know about you, but I just remember that when I'm thinking back. For me, because I had, I guess I'm non-traditional um, in a sense because I am a bit older and I had a different career prior to going back to school to be in medicine. Maybe before we talk about the first couple of years, we should tell them a little bit about our background. Oh, yeah, yeah. you think? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, so, go ahead, sorry. Um, so I had, um, originally I have a bachelor's degree in film, um, and then I started my own um, production company. And I did a lot of freelance work. Um, I also worked in a lot of uh, hospitality you know, hotels and stuff, um, doing video graphic design. Um, and when I lived in Naples, I had my own production company where I would do small commercials, freelance work, um, and weddings. And then I decided that I wanted to do something a little bit more, more, I guess, with my time in life. And I'd always had an interest in reading about diseases, so I figured, hey, why not try to go to med school? And I went back to school, um, and I got a bachelor's degree in biology and chemistry. And I went straight from those two bachelor's degrees. I spent four years studying biology and chemistry, and then I went straight into med school after that. So I guess you could say I'm a non-traditional traditional because I went straight from undergrad into med school Yeah, the I second mean, time. The second time, yeah. De- definitely non-traditional in, in the general sense of, like, when you're applying to everybody for me, my background is a little different. Um, you know, I went to college as an athlete. I played football at UCF for a couple of years. Um, I realized I wasn't going to make it like all the way to the NFL. So I quit after a couple of seasons and I would, I spent about a year kind of floundering, not knowing what I was going to do with my life. All the way to the NFL? I knew I wasn't going to get all the way to the NFL. Wow. That was definitely the dream for most, most people that go to like, you know, high up college football. They're yeah. like, yeah, I can make it even though a minority do. So could you imagine had you gone to the NFL? Be a different life. You'd be like mid-career right now. Yep. Few concussions deep. Man, that's so different. Oh yeah. Cool. I'm happy it ended up this way though. And I've told other people this before, like if it wasn't for doing that, I would not have ended up pursuing medicine because like without going to my whole kind of journey here, football really introduced me to the world of sports medicine and kind of just health and wellness and nutrition and strength conditioning. And that kind of led me down a, a, you know, I, I played football, then I did strength coaching for a while. I changed my major to sport and exercise science. Um, I got my EMT license over a summer, I think between uh, sophomore and junior year of, of college. And it was really EMT school that like planted the seed in my head of, hey, you could actually, you know, become uh, a healthcare provider. I didn't know what that would be. Um, I considered being a paramedic, but I met a couple kids in my class in EMT school who were pre-med and they were trying to go to medical school. And I remember specifically, like, when they were telling me all the, the years of training it would take, I remember kind of laughing, like, I would never do that. That's insane. Uh, <laughs> and I was, I actually decided to shoot for PA school for a, a period of time. And sub, yeah, for sure. I was, I did EMT school to get my clinical hours for PA school. But when I like, you know, from, and everyone's different. I have a family member who's a PA. I have tons of friends that are PAs that I work with in the ER. They love their career. I just, it didn't sit right with me knowing that, you know, what I want to do in medicine, I wanted to be a leader in medicine. I wanted to kind of like practice to the, the top of my game. And to do that, you really do have to pursue medical school. So I just kind of shot for that instead. Um, so yeah, the long story short, worked as an EMT for about a year. 
Um, then I went and worked as an ER tech in Central Florida, and that's where I worked until I started medical school. So background in emergency medicine and kind of athletics for me. You know, it's funny you mentioned you wanted to be a PA, but did you know that I wanted to be a dietitian? I did not. <laughs> That's pretty cool. <laughs> and it seems laughable because um, I know you can't see, but I'm, I'm a fairly robust, uh, rotund person. So um, but maybe that's what drew me to nutrition. Um, but I love the idea of, like, your foods being made up of, of these scientific molecules, which at the time with someone with a film background had no idea what any of those things were that you would read on the back of a, a nutrition label, right? What's mm -hmm. a protein? What's a, what's, a, what's a fat? What's a carb? What are those things other than which you hear in in, in in the diet culture of what those things are, right? But yeah. what really are they? Um, and that inspired me to go back to school. And then I realized uh, as I learned more, I wanted to know more. And then I thought, okay, it's time for me to go be a doctor. Yeah, when people say, like, avoid chemicals, like, don't put chemicals in your body, then the day you realize everything is a chemical, kind of, yeah, it shakes up your world. Oh, I loved it. I loved <laughs> it. I remember the first biology class I ever took, I was 29 years old. And they were talking about what a protein looked like. It was this big globular yep. thing. And I was like, whoa, is that it? That's cool. And then when I took a biochem class, you go in a little, you go in further. And it's about the bonds that are made and, 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 and broken. And why the proteins look the way they look. And that's your metabolism. Mm -hmm. It's just bonds being made and being broken and things being released. Um, and I thought that was just so cool. Uh, so I decided, you know, in, in, if I continue down the nutrition path, I'm not going to learn more science. So, and uh, coupled with I like to learn, uh, I'm very invasive, and I like to know people's stories, as you know. So I don't know if I'd, I don't know if I'd characterize you as an invasive person. I am. I'm an invasive person. I really like to get to know people. So I agree with that. I, I put those two things together, and, it, and uh, med school made the most sense. So I figured, why not give it a shot? But here I am. I got to say, though, Mitch, your story... It really lays the groundwork for why you've been so successful in med school, and we're going to get through. We're going to get to all that, you know, in the rest of this uh, talk. But his his athletic background, I think, is what led him to success in med school, and we'll talk more about that. But um, I would say that uh, that that was that's probably the most important thing for you. Thank you. Sam yeah. is my forever hype man, always making me sound like the most disciplined person in the world, which she will claim that I am. No, he is. And I don't agree. But He I, is. It's because they make you do like weird training and stuff in football. They definitely do make you do weird training. I remember one of my first workouts, just a quick tangent, we did these things called Friday morning workouts, which were punishment workouts for being on the scout team, which means you're not a starter, so therefore you must suffer. Oh. And so Friday mornings we would get there, I think at 6 a.m., and it was from 6 to 8 and we would do like a very heavy powerlifting workout, like set 10 sets of 10 with squats, with weights that you shouldn't do 10 sets of 10 with. And then we would do like lots of other like leg stuff. We would like carry sandbags around. And like once you were essentially done, completely wasted uh, energetically, they would take you to the field and make you push sleds around and lunge 300 yards mm -hmm. on the verge of rhabdo. So you just kind of brought that back. They should do that for med school. Those who are in the bottom quartile. Friday morning do, workouts. Would be me. And we have to come in and do extra tests and extra questions. So, yeah. So, Friday morning workouts, perfect segue into what year one was like for you. Okay. Well, Very smooth transition. Well, um, year one, that was a, that was a, for everyone, everybody says, because you ever see these things on Instagram where mm -hmm. the med influencers will put, uh, they'll rank hardest years of med school? Really try not to. 
Okay, what? you try not to follow them or you try not to <laughs> If I even see it, I would immediately okay. turn my phone off. So I, I, I've been in the habit of following med influencers, not because I want to be one, but because I secretly want to laugh at them, <laughs> um, which is horrible. That's healthy. By the way, I'm a horrible person for that. But um, so they rank the med school years, the one, two, three, four, which by level of difficulty. And I disagree with a lot of their ranks, right? Okay. Because they don't put third year as the hardest, and I think it's the hardest. Do you want to give our own personal ranks, too? Yeah, we're going to give our own All personal right. ranks, even though I just gave my number one. But we're going to start. Okay, I'm going to rank then. I'm going to okay, say the go. hardest year is your first year. The second hardest year is your – no, did I say first year? You said well, – Third you year. No, no, no. Okay, the hardest <laughs> – your hardest year is your third year. M3 year is the hardest year, hands down. And we'll, we'll, we'll I'll get into why. Your second hardest year is probably a tie between one and two. Okay. Um, and then fourth year is just kind of a cakewalk. But it, it does have its different kind of stressors. Um, and a lot of that is dealing with the unknown and the ambiguity of it all, um, of your future. So, you. So, for me, I... It's a little different. I feel like I have a relative list and an objective list. Like which one for me, like the objectively hardest one, I agree, is third year, um, followed by maybe second year, first year, fourth year. But relatively, like what it actually felt like, I think for me was maybe second year, first year, third year, fourth year. Just because at the time, second year felt like the most responsibility, the most stress. You had step one looming. For our school, we had neurology and a couple other things that for me were really difficult. Um, and I just felt like a lot of stress culminating personally second year. Um, but I agree that third year has got to be the hardest if you think about like workload. I mean, you can get lucky and have easy rotations, but the fact that you're working essentially typically seven, six or seven, sometimes earlier, sometimes later, depending on the rotation till, you know, anywhere from one o'clock to five, six, seven o'clock, depending on, a, you know, a range from like psychiatry to sur surgery as far as difficulty plus you're having to study for shelf exams plus you have step two looming which is becoming like ever so more important it was definitely difficult that's yeah that's and that's exactly <coughs> why i think it's the most difficult and i hear a lot of m1s m1s if you're listening i hear a lot of you saying that oh after step one it's going to be easier life's so much easier after well, step one fail? yeah well or even just after finishing oh, just step, after one, step one even if you get gotcha. a score um but it's not Nothing gets easier after that. Everything just becomes more frequent. Well, There's always obstacles. And I'll say that too is that that's why I, I broke mine down until like objectively it's as hard. But like for me, third year was objectively harder, but it didn't feel as hard as second year because although it was objectively harder, like we just talked about, I feel like I had become a better medical student and like I had more resolve and like I got my, my time management down. And like residency is going to be objectively harder than. Um, you know, medical school. And like, I know that goes both ways, but I've heard residents say they like residency is easier for them, um, you know, I guess, relatively speaking than medical school. And they would never want to go back to medical school because residency is meaningful. And like, they're actually getting to be a doctor and, you know, it's more hours and it's more responsibility, but they might feel that it's easier. Um, does that make sense? It makes sense. And I think for you, um, the reason why third year didn't seem as difficult maybe as second year is because you had already had a job previously, you've worked as an EMT in the hospital, you know what it's like to do a long shift and maybe go home and study for the MCAT. Um, you you sort of ha have been exposed to that. And I'm not saying med there are med students that haven't done that, but the majority don't. The yeah, majority don't have a full-time job and then have to study at this high level of studying is your full-time job too. 
So I think making that abrupt transition is very difficult for a lot of traditional med students, even non-traditional med students. Um, it's tough because yeah. you're a, you're your full-time job as both a worker and a student. Yeah, totally agree. Um, so I guess that was kind of a nice little overview. If you're looking at year one specifically, what were kind of your takeaways for first year? And just so you know, at this school, the way our curriculum works, just broadly speaking, is that our preclinical curriculum is a year and a half. Uh, we take step one roughly February of our second year, um, plus or minus a month or so, depending on if you're ready or not. But we get a couple months of dedicated um, second year, take uh, step one, and then we start our clinical rotations a little early, I think about three months or so earlier than other schools. We have a little bit of a clinical like prep period. Um, and what that allows is fourth year to be a little bit more relaxed than it might be other schools with less elective requirements um, and more time for research and whatnot. And more time for exploring more clinical options. Selectives, I think is the idea. electives earlier. Yes, I think that was the idea when it was uh, when it was created, was mm -hmm. that you have more time to do more clinicals so you know exactly what you want to do when you get to fourth year. Yeah. Um, okay, so talking about year one specifically, we're going to break it down by year. Um, year one, also to note, we are a systems-based curriculum. That's right. So, so we started off with fundamentals, which is kind of an, that is kind of a more of a mix mash of like micro anatomy, basic farm and whatnot. But then, like she said, from then on, it was systems based or kind of not really organ based, um, like cardi for example, one block, we have like cardiology, pulmonary and renal together, or we might have like uh, GI, endocrine and reproductive together in a block where you learn everything about that system at once. And those are, yeah, those are how the blocks are set up here. We start off with fundamentals, which was um, your basic microbiology, your basic immunology, basic pathology, and some pharmacolo uh, pharmacological principles. <laughs> like pharmacokinetics <laughs> yeah. and pharmacodynamics. Not, not specific drugs yet. Um, after fundamentals, we go into our hematology block, um, which is, as you can guess it, uh, hematology. Yeah, and oncology. Hemonc, yeah. And then we go into our Geiner block, which is GI, nutrition, mm -hmm. endocrine, yep. reproduction. That's all one block over uh, a few months. Then our last block of M1 year is our CPR block, which is cardiopulmonary renal. Um, and then we get into M2 year, which is just your brain body behavior. It's called triple B. And then you're, then you're off to study for step one. So starting with, with year one. Year one for me was uh, the first 75% of it. I'll be honest, I didn't study. <laughs> I'm <laughs> um, sure you studied. No, I did, but I, I still had my old habits of like undergrad type studying where you study the weekend before the test. And this is a great spot for your pancake analogy, which I think everybody, you know, would love to hear. I feel like I've said this so many times, but I know each time it's like a different audience, so it's fine. Uh, so people, every single person I feel like knows the analogy of your medical school is like drinking from a fire hydrant. Like you just, you can't really take it all in. But I think the pancake analogy is more realistic and applicable. I saw it one time, probably on Reddit, and it's basically that medical school is like eating five pancakes per day. Anybody can eat five pancakes per day. Maybe not anybody, but if you got into medical school, you can eat five pancakes a day. Uh, you know, academically speaking. But if you only eat two or you only eat three per day for a couple of weeks, now you've got a backlog of like 30 pancakes and you only have a few days before the test. And it's almost impossible to eat 10, 20 pancakes in a day. And like you can maybe do it, but you're going to be sick to your stomach. So I think just thinking about medical school like that, 
is true. I think it helps you kind of put it into perspective in that it's not necessarily the most incredibly difficult material. Like most people can learn medicine, but there's a lot to it. And it does take some discipline and time management, but it is doable. And I think that's good that we are both talking about this because we come from completely opposite ends of the spectrum in terms of how we approached our M1 year. Um, Because I had done the bachelor's degrees prior to coming here and I had already had a bachelor's degree from film, I didn't have to do any of those, you know, English 101 type courses. So over four years, I just took a lot of them, advanced biology and chemistry classes. So nothing was new to me in fundamentals. Um, and I took that as a, I took that to mean that I didn't have to study. Um, add into that our, that our curriculum is pass fail and a 75% is pass on your transcript. I mean, within our school, it's pass with concern, meaning that they want to just keep an eye on you, but it's a straight, it's a pass. So to me, my mantra was anything above a 75% is really a waste of my time. Um, so I really used that time, that extra time to sort of get to know classmates, adjust to the area, go to lectures, learn the stuff that probably wasn't going to be on a test, I guess the low-yield material, Mm -hmm. in addition to the high-yield material. And I wouldn't study until like three or four days prior to an exam, being honest, maybe three or two days prior to an exam. Um, And it always worked out until it didn't, in which it didn't. And Mitch knows all about the the journey of how Samantha had to – I, I actually, I, I'll talk about this. I failed masterfully on my first cardiorenal pulmonary exam. I mean, when we get our grades, it has <laughs> <laughs> it has a range, right? You remember it had ranges. I do. Yeah, it had a min, a max, a and median, and then the average, right? The me- min, max, and median, right? I, I think a mean. Yeah. Okay, and it would be there for every exam. And then I, I pulled it up, and the first thing you see were the, 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 the ranges. And I was like, whoa. Someone somebody got, got a 48% on this first exam. <laughs> that poor person. Oh, my God. Why are they, how are they even in med school? Um, and I looked, and I opened up my grade, and it was me. And I was so shocked I got into my car. Without even thinking, I just got, put on my shoes. <laughs> I got into my car. I drove to campus. I knocked on the course director's door. I'm like, is this a mistake? Um, and she was like, ah, uh, that's what I thought too. And I looked into it. No, it's not. This is your grade. And I was devastated. I was devastated. Scary. It was scary. So I asked, um, you know, advice of my classmates. I had to meet with my learning community mentor. Uh, they set up a, oh, they went full, full on after me failing this test. Like I even got a, a classmate tutor. We met once. Um, very nice person. And uh, I did much better on the second exam. Highest I've ever scored on an, on an exam at our school. Um, I think like a 90. And I thought, okay, all right, this is going to be great. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to redeem myself. And then I didn't, I didn't quite pull it off for the final. And I failed by, I don't know, maybe a, Just a, couple maybe a half, half a percent. Um, but you can't think of it that way. I have to think of it. I failed by a lot considering that first exam. Um, yes, there's a couple, per, like a, maybe a half a percent off from the actual cutoff of you pass or you fail. Um, but really, in reality, I was quite a few points off from understanding the material. But so. you're still here. Yes. And you're a fourth year. So what happened? So I just did a remediation exam, which means they gave me three weeks to retake a final that I did very well on. Um, and that's really when I had to change the way I studied. And their, their reasoning was, Samantha, listen, you, you went from, you had, a, you had a linear trajectory upward. 
you just couldn't quite couldn't quite get to the cutoff. The reason why we're making you redo this is because you'll be better you'll do better on step one. And I fully believe that to be true. So this is where I really was able to consolidate like how I should study for medical school, which is practice questions, practice questions, and then more practice questions. Something, believe it or not, Mitch, I had never done prior to my second CPR test. I had never touched a practice question. That's impressive that you got that far. It's impressive and it's chaotic. <laughs> <laughs> like, how do you know? Like, how do you know you're doing well if you don't do practice questions, you know? I never used them as a gauge. Of, well, so I used to think that you would have to be fully prepared to take a practice right. test. Right. It's a common mistake. It's a huge mistake. And then what I realized is you should just take the practice test and get the questions wrong because yep. it'll help you learn. And something you said, too, like I don't like you don't use them as a performance gauge. I do. But it depends on the situation. Like during step one dedicated, I very much was using UWorld as a performance gauge to see like where I was hitting percentile wise. Hopefully my percentile was climbing up a little bit over the course of dedicated. Um, but at the same time, it also is a learning tool, which is what practice questions should be most of the time. Um, you know, it, it's like you're preparing for a game and, you know, you're practicing all season long. You don't necessarily have to be at the top of your game, but when you're a couple of days out from, uh, you know, from a big game, you expect your practice plays to be rock solid and you don't want to be messing up basic things on practice plays. So I, I, did, I definitely use it as a learning tool, but depending on the time, I, I use it as a performance gauge as well. I think for me, year one-wise, it was a little different story, but not without its like, like I didn't fail anything, thankfully, but it wasn't without its like struggles or hardships for me, like academically speaking. Um, I was able to strike a pretty good balance between like, you know, I was able to resume Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I was working out a little bit. I was playing video games most days. Definitely not at first, though. The first um, fundamentals block that you did pretty well in it was really difficult for me. I think my first test was one of my lowest grades in medical school all around. Um, when we were learning, what was uh, it like a ninety? No, no, it was it was. <laughs> I'm pretty dang sure it was below seventy five. Um, but when we were learning about specifically immunology, I was just really struggling with that. I had never seen immunology before. You know, I had done like biochem and organic chem and physics and the, the regular stuff, but immuno was just something I'd never seen. So I really struggled with that. I remember being really stressed, just you know, realizing that I probably wasn't ever going to learn all of it. And it wasn't something I was ever going to master. And I kind of just had to accept that and learn what I could learn. Um, I did well enough to pass. But fundamentals was definitely, uh, it felt chaotic, like you said earlier, in that I hadn't really nailed down a good practice, um, like, or a good uh, study method yet. Uh, and since there were so many topics, it wasn't like we were just learning hematology. It was like immuno, micro, farm, um, anatomy. So I wasn't able to, like, use certain board resources or anything that would really streamline my studying. So it definitely felt chaotic, like jumping around, lots of different resources. And then on top of that, which we hadn't really mentioned, is that since we're a charter class, we don't have any upperclassmen here. So I couldn't reach out to a second-year student or a third-year student and be like, hey, I'm really struggling with immuno with this professor. What did you do to get through it? Um, we just didn't have that. So aside from reaching out to the Internet or students in our class who were doing well currently, that's really all we had was each other. And we couldn't reach out to the old students, right? Because they, they had the same professors, right? right? But those professors were already used to teaching within the DO program, which different different curriculum, lecture-based. And, and although the material might have overlapped sometimes, it wasn't overlapping directly. So uh, they, it never felt like you could easily ask them questions, not because they weren't great people. A lot of them are awesome. It's just the, the curriculums didn't overlap. So it was never really easy. As far as the rest of the first year, um, I kind of hit my stride later in the year. Um, 
you know, I did pretty well during first year, but I remember towards the end of first year, my my subtle anxiety was creeping up on me, just like staying balanced, not being stressed. I remember being very stressed on the summer break between first and second year. And it was probably the most stressed I've ever been in my life. And it was just something I hadn't really dealt with yet. Um, we went on vacation to the Bahamas. And I remember being stressed then. I remember like studying randomly on vacation for a week to the you Bahamas. On I your did. Vacation? I, like not religiously, but that's my mindset then. Like that sounds funny to me now. But was it because you were on an Anki and you didn't want to get behind on your pancakes? It might have been. Like, yeah. I don't remember okay. doing Anki, but I just remember, I don't know if I was, like, studying for the stuff coming up or if I was, like, I can't forget this stuff for step one. It was definitely a bad mindset, and it's not something I would do now or haven't done for quite a while. But I remember being really stressed. Um, and then, yeah, over year one or over summer between first and second year, I did my first research project. Um, that was probably the highlight of my summer. It was the first time I'd really done research. So, you know, I got a little experience with that. And then, you know, I, don't, I think you put the research off till later, right? I had to because I had to use that time to um, oh, remediation. to remediate. And That's I was, right. I will tell you, if anybody out there listens to this, I was like down in the dumps. Uh, you remember. We all had our little weak points, yeah. right? Yeah. Do you remember I was like convinced that I was done, the med school, I was defeated. That was when we were first becoming friends. Yeah. I feel well, like Marissa no, you and moved I, across the hall from me at that we did. point. We, or no, you moved on the eighth floor. I lived on the, the very bottom. I definitely remember Marissa and I coming over and talking to you and you being really down in the dumps. Yeah. About like, man, what if I don't pass this remediation test? Exactly. Like, it, I mean, that's a real deal worry. That was more stressful to me than step one. I think it kind of should be. Yeah, like, because it meant, okay, if I didn't pass the remediation test, guess who was doing their M1 year again? Exactly, so, which isn't like the end of the world. Like People not, have done it and succeeded, but it, I mean, that's a big weight, you know? It, that made step one, triple B, it made everything much easier after that point. Right, so we each had strengths and weaknesses first year. It was a wild ride. I think the overall like um, summary for us was it was kind of chaotic, and it was a big yes. learning experience. That it, was our similarity. It was tough. Like that's just the academic part in my personal life too. Like you know, I'm somebody. I've been married 16 years. Um, thank goodness. Nice guy. Um, Love that guy. Yeah, he's a great guy. I don't know why he likes me, but he does. So I'll just go with it. Um, we were living long distance too, which was hard. Um, that first year, and that contributed a lot of, to my not studying because I figured, you know what, I'm going to be a med school Monday through Friday, be a med student. Weekends, I'm going to be a, a free regular person. Um, Which is fair in yeah. some regard. Yeah. But I don't know that it's the way to approach it with right. something so delicate and as precious as med school. So So definitely a tough, tough, weird time. I like to think that we've alleviated that stress for the first year since they have us now. Not necessarily us, but like they have upperclassmen to reach out to all the time. Yeah. So maybe it's a little bit easier for them. But I feel like us being the only students in our program made it that much more difficult. It um, did, yeah. It had its pluses and, and yeah. negatives. Pluses, the faculty were on us. like They helped. Yeah. Um, so then year two, let's move into that. So year two. Year two was a really easy year. Overall, yeah. definitely. I think the, the worst part of it for me was neurology. There's something about neurology, man, that just was so difficult. And I'll tell you, it was my highest test, my best test score. I think I got the high. I'd never gotten the Whoa. high before. But I swear to God, I literally thought I was going to fail that test until about a week and a half before the test. I, I, went, I think I went to Plazic, Dr. Plazic, who was one of our neuro professors. Just the tracks and the different lesions at different parts of the brain and the track, it just, something about it wasn't sticking. And I had to watch like the same videos over and over and over, and it finally just clicked one day, and everything was fine. But that was the low point of step of a uh, you know year two outside of dedicated for me. 
I think because I already had the failure on my record, I knew what was going to touch you. Yeah, like I like no, I knew that I needed to no matter what prepare for that neurology. I knew neurology was going to be hard. Yeah, I was like, okay, neurology is going to be so hard. Oh my gosh, I no matter what I'm studying every day and I'm keeping up with it, and I did. And and actually, one of the one of the relieving things about uh, practice questions is that. Yes, there are tons of tracks, the spinal, all the spinal thalamic, all those tracks. There's a lot of them, right? But then you find out in your practice questions that they can only ask us about those things in so many different ways. Yep. And that became extremely reassuring. So year two was the year of the practice question. Year two was the year of the practice. I got through the U-World, your neurology thing twice probably because I wanted to know Every single way they could ask me about this. I could get lost in the details of the tracks or I could just say, you know what, screw it. I'm going to whatever's a practice question. That's what I'm focusing on. Yeah. And like without plugging certain like obviously there's different practice question companies and stuff. I think that, you know, I've used probably three or four over the course of the, you know, the four years I'm here. I've tried out three or four. Obviously, everyone uses UWorld. But I think that whatever way, whatever company you use to incorporate practice questions into your studying, whether it's year one, two, or even for step two, it's just so key. I used UWorld and Kaplan. I doubled down. Yeah, I used UWorld. And actually, first year I used USMLERX, which I feel like most people don't really use anymore. Yeah. But I just, that was my intro to practice questions, so it would always have a place in my heart. I remember people talking about it, like the first month of them one year, and I was like, eh. It's whatever. Yeah. It's just another one. They're, they're all pretty good. Um, so, yeah, and then obviously we ended our, when we say brain-body behavior, that was uh, neurology, psychiatry, and... Bones mus- and joints. Yeah, musculoskeletal. Muscles, joints, that kind of which stuff. Which was kind of a revisit to anatomy from the beginning, but with a focus on, you know, musculoskeletal pathology. And, um, like, rheumatological diseases. In room, yeah. So then we ended it with psychiatry, which was really nice in my... Uh, you know, for me, psychiatry was the easiest thing we learned. Not that it was easy material, but it's just it was the least demanding. And I feel like once you kind of memorize the different conditions, it for me, it was the least rigorous, which was nice because I was able to like kind of master psychiatry during that period of time and also transition towards dedicated, which was following that. I think what made psychiatry one of the more palatable subjects uh, is that it's all very tangible. You can see th- these things in there. Like, when you think about different pathologies for other diseases, you kind of have to shrink yourself down and go into the body and see these things you've never seen before. Yeah. changes versus yeah. psych is just, I mean, not just, but it's a lot of it's just classifications. And behavior that you can see with your own eyes. Yep. So it makes it stick a little bit easier for, for me. Um, and then, yeah, we went into step one. And whew, before, what a, what a step, time. before step one, they gave us like a little, like a, they gave us a, what was it a, CBS is like a practice test. The practice test. Yeah, they gave us a practice test, which I got 163 on. So that was. That's uh, pretty high, right? No, that's pretty low. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Um, Just so you guys all know, passing was 194 for us. It's 196 now. Um, And and the number is kind of irrelevant if you don't see the percentile charts. Like a 194 is like what? Fifth percentile? percentile. Yeah. And then I think a 230 ish is like 50th. Yeah. And then even above that, it's weird. Like a 260 is where you – like 265 plus is where you start getting like 99th percentile. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's that range, and it, it's kind of weird. Um, so 165, not great. Not at all. <laughs> no. And so I, I went in with like – I had what? I had six – we had eight, six, six, eight weeks? I think we had eight weeks. Eight weeks of dedicated. If you add a Christmas break, I think we had like nine or ten. Okay, I didn't. Maybe I took, I'm wrong. I took a Christmas break. Yeah, <laughs> I did <laughs> I too. Some people I did didn't. too, but like that's what we had between psych and then. So I started my I started my uh, step prep 
Um, and this is kind of an inspiring story for those who are listening. I started with a base of a 163, and the very first test I took was a, I think, a U World Part One test, or the U World One test. I failed it. Um, I freaked out. I remember you freaking out. I delayed by two weeks. Gave myself two extra weeks of study time. We were homies at this point. Yeah, we were we were totally homies. Um, then I took an MBME exam. I failed it. Um, and I was like, you know what, my my <laughs> percentage. A good sign. I was like, my percentage went up. Um, then I took a, a, a an MBME and, and I passed it. And then I I passed the rest of them from then on. But uh, not not by not by very much. <laughs> by maybe two or three points. And then going into into the step exam, I was a little nervous because the highest MBME score I had gotten was a 203, which is just barely above passing. But I figured, you know what, it's now or never. Anyways, I went in. I did well. Uh, it all worked out. Yeah? Yeah. Mine was similar. I mean, I the only difference is that I started off strong. Uh, I think I took UWorld 1 sometime towards the beginning, maybe like early January. I took mine, I believe, on February 28th. I took it early January, did pretty well, like close to my goal score. And I was like, wow, awesome. I'm doing so great. But I, I had heard that that test like overpredicted a little bit. So I didn't really know what to make of it. And then I did well in the next MBME, but then I took about five more MBMEs and each one went down, oh, <laughs> down to like below average to like not a range I wanted to be in. Um, I had I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I think you might have been more set on like internal medicine at that point. I had like I was a typical second year, didn't really really know what they wanted to do. I was considering emergency medicine as my like top choice, but things like orthopedic surgery sounded really cool, and I knew that that was competitive. So I was aiming for this. Uh, we all were aiming for the highest score we could get, but my scores were not there. Um, and each MBME just kept going down and down and down. And I think it kind of correlated with my stress level. Um, there was definitely a point about two weeks before dedicated where I realized how stressed I was getting and I kind of just took a step back. And, uh, after that I took a couple more practice tests. They were more in the range I wanted. And I just kind of yellowed the test. Like we all did at some point, whether it's step one or step two, you do just kind of have to say, I've done what I could and it's time to take the thing. I think there's this mindset you, 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 once you've arrived at that mindset of, I don't care, I just want to be done then you're ready for the Oh, test. yeah. That's, I mean, as long as you're not, like, truly burnt out where, like, you're not going to perform well. But for sure, like, I didn't feel that so much for step one. It was more of just, like, an acceptance phase for me. For step two, I 100% felt like that, which we can talk about soon. But it was like, okay, I, I look, I've done so much work for this test. I, I don't know what else there is to do. Like, I can sit here and regurgitate stuff and, you know, remind myself of what I don't know, but it's time to take it. And if anybody is seeking any, like, more, like, less vague um tips on step one we can have a separate episode on that but briefly for me i did u world um i didn't even finish u world i think i got 95 percent of the way through nice um and i did all the mbme practice exams no matter what i did an exam every week and i think you were the same I was even a, if you didn't feel ready you did an exam i At least did I an did. mbme every week i believe every week i did and i did every single one of them and um I don't know. I don't know if it's, it's if it's a cliche to share your your score or taboo, but I got a two thirty, um, and I like again. I started at that baseline of a one sixty three, and went through each MBME. You know, barely getting to passing, barely above passing, right. and then I performed on test day. And that's the the way you have to think of it. Like Mitch was saying earlier, it's all a competitive event. 
Um, for me, all the points I missed prior to test day were points gained on test day. I really made sure I understood what I was getting wrong on my UWorld questions. So if it meant one day of studying was me just getting through 40 questions, actually doing the questions and going through the um, explanations, then that's what it was. Um, and I think it paid off for me. Is it the world's greatest score? No. Is, is, is it great for me? Absolutely. It doesn't, it, it wasn't going to, you know, box me out of anything I wanted to do. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't have summarized it more. It was basically the same thing for me. Um, you know, I guess that's a good uh, transition into third year, I think. Um, you know, it was weird for us because right around step one was the beginning of COVID. That's right. Which was weird. Which Probably the best time for COVID to have happened as far as a medical student, um, just because after step one, we were our school did a really good job, I think, actually, of kind of understanding that clinicals were going to be impacted. We did a bunch of online stuff. We actually did some like uh, online electives that counted towards fourth year during that summer-ish, spring to summer period of 2020. Yeah. And those ended up making our fourth year a little easier. Um, we did didactic portions online. So for our clinical rotations, so like our internal medicine was supposed to be eight weeks, um, but we did two weeks online of internal medicine didactics, which was, you know, lectures on uh, more third year oriented clinical internal medicine. And then once we got to our actual rotations later on in the year, they were truncated a bit. So the, the eight week rotations were six weeks and the four week rotations were three weeks. And I think the COVID sort of threw a wrench into the exciting things that were supposed to be cool about our program and about starting in this charter class was that we would get those three extra clinical months, which we didn't get. Um, the selective. The selective, which we didn't get. Um, which is just an elective. Like, it's an elective that's built into your track. So you don't pick it free form, but it's, uh, it's an extra experience that you would normally get. But the ones, the third years are now doing theirs. Yep. Um, but we just missed out on that. But I mean, like a lot of people miss out on a lot of things because of COVID. It's, it's fine. just is what it is. Yeah. Um, but that's that's when it hit. Um, I myself got COVID. That I was one of the. I got it in March. I could have had it while I was taking step one. I don't know. <laughs> I know we had our masks fitting, uh, our N95 mask fitting, and I'm pretty sure I had COVID and you guys all stuck your heads in there after me. I, I didn't I, get I it, didn't so. know. I didn't know. We did, COVID wasn't even here yet. It wasn't a thing. There were like five cases in the whole like country. Five, I was, I know I was case number 30 in Broward County. <laughs> Look it up. It was me. <laughs> Look at the literature. <laughs> yeah, go find that in the literature. Um, but then we, what, we, then it was just like Zoom University after that. All right, so... Let's go through third year, kind of rotation by rotation, and just talk about what our experiences were like. I know we both started with internal medicine. I know that you and I, we were homies. so We were, were homies, homies at that point. We're definitely more homies than we were then. But we tried to coordinate tracks, remember? We did, We for did sure. the same ranking. We did do the same ranking. Uh, we didn't share every single rotation together. We were on internal medicine together, which was our first rotation. And I will point out that I had wanted to do surgery first because I wanted to see early on, do I like surgery? And internal medicine, I was just like, let's do that at the end. I'm really glad it didn't work out that way just because of how tracks were switched around, I think, because of COVID. I got internal medicine first. Yeah, it was originally supposed to be that we had surgery first and then we would go straight into IM. Um, but because of COVID, our first rotation was tacked on to the, to the end. Yep. So our second rotation became our first rotation. I wanted to do surgery first because I knew I didn't want to do surgery. Um, so I figured, let me get it over with while I am my freshest and stupidest. Yep. And I was like actually considering, not that I wanted to do surgery, but I really wanted to see it early on just in case I loved it. 
Um, so we had different motives, but still wanted to do it first. So we ended up actually starting with IM, which some would say is a difficult one to start with. Definitely. I think it's the best one to start with in terms of it prepares, it sets you up for a great third year in terms of knowledge base. I agree that it was the hardest, and I also agree that it's the best. Uh, yes. Um, and when I first started IM, I actually kept a running daily personal vlog mm -hmm. about my take from each day. And when I started with IM, I hated it. And I'll tell you why I hated it, because I felt like there were too many patients, you didn't get to spend that much time with them, you barely got to know them, and you really just look at their lab numbers, and um, really all you're doing in IM is you're, is you're updating other people about your patients all day. Uh, you know, that's all you're doing, is you're telling these little mini stories about this person, but you're not even talking about the person, you're talking about some vague labs within their body. Um, and it's always I the hated sodium. It. Yeah, it was always the sodium or the potassium, and they weren't even a human. Even we would just say room number and talk about the person. Or it became, okay, we're talking about hypertension guy now. And this is uh, MI guy. Low sodium guy. in 312. Yeah. And they, that's would become the patient's name. You know, oh, this is headache girl. You know. Low it, sugar guy. Yeah, low sugar guy. And I didn't like it. But it started to grow on me. Me to, too. To the point to where I would love it. Yeah. And just disclaimer, which we'll talk about soon. But uh, Samantha and I both applied to internal medicine. We're fourth years now. We just, I have one interview left. I think you're done or you have like- I have one left. You have yeah. one left as well. Um, we both happily applied to internal medicine. So it, it made a good impression at the end of the day. I think when I finished IM on my last week, I did not want to leave. I was sad. I, I, that's when I almost cried, Mitch. That was so sad to leave. I remember feeling the same way. And my kind of journey through IM rotation was at first I expected- absolutely nothing but just learning a lot of stuff and preparing for my shelf. And then I had that same thing happen to me where I just involuntarily would wake up earlier and earlier because I wanted to get to the hospital to check on my, my few, you know, two or three patients that I was following. I felt a, a genuine sense of responsibility for their care, even though I was just a third year medical student, which I think is good. And I wasn't always making a huge impact. Obviously, you're just a third-year medical student. But I feel like I did make a big impact on just a couple patients over the course of that month and a half. And that was all it really took for me. Um, but I really loved coming in every day. I loved rounding. I know, like, long rounds suck for everyone. But, man, when you're on a good team and you have a great attending and your residents are, like, teaching you stuff, I, I just really got into it. And it satisfied me kind of, like, intellectually in a way that other specialties and other you know, careers that I had planned just, just couldn't. Uh, to that point, I was very gung-ho for emergency medicine. Um, and that was the big switch for me. Was yeah, it's a shock you're not doing EM. Everyone was Everybody shocked. Everybody was shocked. Just, why? Tell them why. Well, my background, I worked in the ER for three years, close to three years. I was an EMT. I had started the emergency medicine interest group at our school, like one of the founding members with my uh, classmate, Caitlin. And, you know, I, I loved emergency medicine. You even did, like, an EM, like, interview. That came later, uh, I think. But, like, I did quite a bit of stuff. You did like, research with I, the I EM I organized, people. like, an EMS ride-along. We did a lot of stuff in the, in the EMIG, did. the interest group. So I gave, I gave emergency medicine every opportunity to hook me, and internal medicine did instead. So I'm happy. What I loved about IM so much was I actually loved rounding. For me, the longer, the better, the more fun. It was magical. It's what you would imagine a doctor does. I like long rounds when there was good teaching involved, but I don't like long rounds when it's like, I don't know, just because of the geography of the hospital or like... Oh, I had a good teaching team, and I loved walking 
well, I personally hate walking up the stairs, but we did that. And I loved going to each patient's room. It was like it was like changing the channel on the TV. You would always see something different, a different patient, and then you'd learn more. And it was just, it's just, it's so enchanting and so magical to me. Um, hey, do you remember when we were on the our IM rotation and I ended up in the hospital? <laughs> <laughs> was it the IM rotation? It was the IM rotation, yeah. Two weeks in, actually. <laughs> Yeah, I do. Which which time? <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. That was surgery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why I was thinking of that. That's rotation. why you're bad luck. Yep. Yeah, we I'm can't a black be cloud. Um, but yeah, internal medicine was was great overall. And like, we could probably do a whole episode on just our relationship to internal medicine. But we may- will. Because yeah, we will. That's, that's maybe who we are. maybe move on to the smaller rotations and just yes. give our kind of quick takes on those. Yes. OBGYN thoughts. Loved it. It was my most favorite rotation. I didn't pick OB because I couldn't do that for the rest of my life. I have to be able to do everything. But the intimacy and the really getting to know your patients the way you do, sure. it's just it's it's beyond any other specialty that exists. I thought it was super cool. I liked it more than I thought I would. The, the OBGYNs I met were some of the coolest doctors and still are to this day. Yep. Shout out Dr. Rolando de Leon. Yeah. One of the best human beings alive. Yep. Every every OBGYN I've ever known. Shout out Dr. Samantha Bunting. Shout out Dr. Jay Cohen. Nick Salas. Yeah, all of them amazing. Yeah, really, at least at our school, really fantastic OBGYN. The rapport you people. get to build with your patients is like none other. Yeah, and I thought the the mix of just like the women's health in the clinic mixed with like legitimate surgery in the OR um, and kind of the in between was awesome. Um, let, let me shout out Dr. Palmarola. She's the world's best OBGYN reproductive endocrinologist. Shout out. I, I learned the most from her. So yeah, pretty good OBGYN experience at our school. Uh, Still didn't want to do it, but a lot of Same. people in our class were swayed to yeah. OBGYN. So uh, definitely a good experience here. What about psychiatry? I loved it. I loved it so much. I could never do it because this was the only rotation I was taking home with me. I would leave with a heavy feeling in my in my chest. I would leave. Um, and Can't relate. I did not like it. <laughs> I did not like psychiatry. I think I would have liked outpatient psych, but inpatient psych, just not for me. It bummed me out, man. It made me so sad. I was real sad the whole like, time. I would think I would wake up at 2 a.m. and think about that person who got discharged back to the streets. And yeah. I'm not saying I didn't, help. I'm not saying I didn't learn anything. It just made me yeah. very sad because it was depressing. If you haven't been in an inpatient psych ward, I mean, it'll open your eyes to how, you know, how difficult mental health can be on people when it gets to the extremes that it requires involuntary hospitalization. It's pretty rough. And sometimes your treatment options are limited. And even then, the recovery isn't that great. And it's just sad. And But shout out to all the residents that were probably the most awesome residents that we got to work with. Fantastic residents. Great experience as far as like working with people. Uh, just not my favorite cup of tea. Uh, primary care. Oh, I loved it. Great time. Yeah, I want to be a primary care physician one day. So... It was I got to I got to be with the doctor that I precepted with my M one and M two year. His patients are amazing, mostly geriatrics. Um, it really inspired me to want to go into geriatrics um, because of the stories, the patients, the whole thing, the wisdom of your patients. You learn from them, um, which is incredible. Uh, for me, I worked at an endocrinology office. It actually kind of felt like an outpatient endocrine rotation, even though it was primary care for me. Uh, it was a thyroid and diabetes uh, specialist kind of office. So I learned a lot about thyroid conditions. I learned a lot about, we did thyroid biopsies in the office. That was cool. I learned about diabetes management and how much I still need to learn about that. Um, it was a good time. And then maybe finally we can wrap up with surgery for a or third are you year. Forgetting. Wait, what am I forgetting? I know well, I mean, it makes sense that we would forget about it seeing as we're going into IM. <laughs> What? <laughs> what am I forgetting? I'm not remember it, but this is the most forgettable patient population on the planet. Peds. Oh, 
Sorry, future Peds. Peds was fine. You know, I it wasn't my favorite rotation. I, well, I take it back. The inpatient part of it, we had some pretty sick kids. I saw Kawasaki disease. That was pretty legit. I just, they're, you know, I love kids, first of all. Don't get me wrong. love hanging out with kids, but, man, I just don't like taking care of them medically. I'd rather be with adults. I think for me it's a communication thing. I like being able to talk to my patients. I don't like having to talk through the parent. It was more difficult to get a history, obviously. Um, so it just wasn't my cup of tea. I came in because um, prior to starting med school, I had scribed in a pediatric ENT, and I was like, oh, man, I love peds. Peds are great. I can't imagine not working with kids. And I came in thinking I'd be a pediatric oncologist, and things have certainly changed a lot. I remember that. Um, also, I can't work with kids. Uh, they're unreasonable under the age <laughs> of five. Um, and if they're not unreasonable, their parents are either too – too too worried about something or not worried enough about something and that is always something you have to balance and it's hard a little too neurotic or a little too uncaring yeah and that is frustrating for sure but then you have the rare unicorn where the kid's like three years old or four years old and they're wonderful and the parents are wonderful yeah but i feel like that's rare asterisk rare yeah yeah i mean i've met them they exist yeah and that's fine if they're all like that i'd probably do peds yeah um and then surgery is the last one (laughs) as you shake your head in disgust. (laughs) Actually, though, remember at the end of my IM rotation, I had been able to go observe a few surgeries with the surgeon that did my surgery. Um, He was nice enough to let me come in and observe his surgeries. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to be a surgeon because, and I had just had my surgery. What did you Um, have? I had a cholecystectomy. Big shock. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You're a first aid mnemonic. (laughs) I think I meet all five Fs. So I, I had that surgery, and I thought to myself, you know what? I was on my way to Bed Bath & Beyond with my husband, and I thought if it wasn't for this doctor, shout out Dr. Kahani, the world's best surgeon, I wouldn't be here today going to Bed Bath & Beyond to just walk down the aisles and look for something useless I didn't need. Because he— <laughs> Therefore, I'm <laughs> going to be a surgeon. I want to have that impact on people's lives because, honestly, as much as I, as much as I um, trash surgery, I, I, I think they're incredible. And Agreed. I think what they do— is absolutely essential to the world. Um, they 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 cure people. Yeah, they're I, incredible. For me, surgery was like that quote. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. Absolutely same. Yeah, same. like I saw some of the most amazing things on my surgery rotation. Like I remember looking. It was some open surgery. I think it was like a duodenal tumor on on this patient. And I remember looking and seeing like the IVC and like touching it and like feeling just different structures you just read about. I thought that was incredible. Um, just, you know, having that like responsibility to be working inside someone's body. I mean, it's pretty cool. And we had some pretty awesome surgery attendings uh, for the most part. Um, they let us do quite a bit. They let us like dissect stuff. And, and when we would assist, they would actually let us like, you know, bovey things and do do some pretty cool parts of the operation, at least be there for the more major stuff. So although the hours were really, really long, um, kind of unreasonably so at times. I think that it was still a really memorable experience. Um, it definitely taught me I liked procedures, which is great, because I, I think I want to do cardiology, which is can be procedure heavy. So that's what I got out of it, um, a, a good memory and some, you know. These are, this is this one of the rotations we did together again, right? Yeah, you and I were together um, for that one. Uh, 
you're right. All the attendings were fabulous on our surgery rotation. Like they literally, were all, they all were all them. very cool. And even the OR staff, for like the I, OR we staff had two locations. Nice, one yeah. locations, eh? But the other location, man, they were some of the nicest people ever. And it was where I started, and they were some of the most just welcoming people. Like, oh, you're you're not great at scrubbing. Let me show you. Oh, you don't know where this is. Let me show you. Um, so it was a good time. That being said, when we talk about the worst times of surgery, and we talk about why, because we're we're just sitting here, we're 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 blowing smoke up surgery's butthole, really. But when we think about, um, but when we talk about the downfalls of surgery and why, because we're we're we're, pump, we're puffing it up here, we're gassing up surgery, but we're not saying why we didn't choose it. Uh, for me, all of those things you hear about surgery were for the most part true, from my experience. All the negative things you hear, you hear about the the tantrums, uh, the ego. It all, it's all there. And I don't know, it's unfair to say that all surgeons are like that because they're not. But I think that that field might attract people that tend to um, act that way, maybe a little bit. Um, but I don't, th- there's been times where, you know, you see tantrums in the OR and and just this this, this level of extremism and, and work. Yeah, just really um, intense, uh, yeah. unnecessarily so at times. And my favorite surgeon, uh, I won't say his name, but he was, man, he was the chillest surgeon I met. Also the best, like, that I could tell procedurally, like, very quick, like, did very complex stuff very quickly while also teaching, like, pretty in-depth during the case. But he was the one surgeon that would never do that. And, like, the OR staff would tell me, like, yeah, he's one of the chillest guys. He's so friendly. So there's no need to be intense to a detriment or, or to be mean or to be, you know, just um, just cruel to your trainees and stuff. There's really no need for it because there's excellent doctors that don't do that. Um, but it's that mentality of hardcore for the sake of hardcore. Like, oh, I got three hours of sleep. Would yeah. you only? Would you get five? Well, I got three. I got two. <laughs> well, I've been here for 10 hours. I've been here for 15 hours. It, it was that sort of, like, you go for it. Go get it. Go grind. Go do it. Grind set mindset. And that was, like, not – that doesn't go with my my being, yeah, I I'm, guess. Yeah, I'm not about that surgery grind set no. either. Um, so, yeah, that was surgery. Uh, best of times and the worst of times. And then here we are. Here we're we are. In, we're in fourth year. Um, we quickly talk about step two. Real quick, what we should talk about, though, yeah. is going through the clerkships as a charter class because these these programs, these places, these hospitals did not know what to expect from our school. They did not. Um, and we didn't know what to expect at these places because we had no fourth years ahead of us to tell us or and third years ahead of us to tell us. Um, so I think... I think it went pretty well. Definitely went well. Um, I think that I leaned on some of the fourth years and third year medical students from other schools that I interacted with by chance. Um, I know Nova Dio students we would see quite a bit. FIU down here we would see quite a bit. And then you'd always see visiting students on away rotations. Yep. So I think just sharing experiences with them, with them was helpful. Um, leaning on some of the fourth years we met was helpful. Um, yeah. And I think the issues we had are the same issues that everybody has at every school, whether it's been around for a hundred years or it's been around for one. Um, you know, the whole attending tells you you're doing great. Resident tells you you're doing great. Three out of five on your evaluation. Yeah. I thought that was just a meme until it happened to me. Yeah. It's real. And I thought it just happened at our school until I saw all the memes. So it's just it's a third year. It's just the universal third year. It's ambiguous. Ambiguity at its finest. So then, yeah. And then moving into fourth year. You know, we had been taking shelf exams all throughout third year, which were basically like mini step two exams divided into subjects. Um, so I feel like we were pretty prepared for step two dedicated more so than step one, where the preface to step one dedicated was chaos and being unorganized versus the preface to step two dedicated was, 
going through third year, really honing down your study skills, really honing down your time management, studying for step two piece by piece, shelf by shelf. Mm -hmm. So then by the time I got to step two, and I'm pretty sure yours are similar, I mean, yeah, we were doing our U-World, but it didn't feel like so much of a grind. It was just like, all right, at least I'm off rotations. Let's get this done. Boom, boom, boom. Eat your pancakes. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, By the time I got to step two, I was like, let's get this done. Yep. And it was not the same. I was definitely better at handling my stress and just being more balanced. But I, we talked about it earlier. I was, like I said, I was definitely more, okay, it's time to do this. We've done what we can. Let's knock it out. It was just the next in a line of very long obstacles that are going to be defining the rest of our careers. So for me, it, it was exactly how you say. Not not difficult at all. You just do your do, do your, your world, do your questions. It'll all work out. And it did. It, it was an easier test, too. Quick, quick story time about my step two experience. Please. So I couldn't find one in this area. So I had to drive two hours west to Fort Myers. Oh, I so I get this. there and I'm like, oh, okay, well, let's, you know, it's a good idea to go to the testing center and make sure it exists, it, you know, didn't blow up or something. So I walk up to the door and there's a sign on the, on the uh, what's the prometric door? And it says, you know, due to a flood or due to some sort of flooding incident, uh, the testing center, all tests are closed today. But that was the day before my test, and I was like, oh, my God. So I called Prometric, and it took me, like, 45 minutes to get through to somebody. And the guy was like, look, you know, I I assure you this is a single event or single-day event. Tomorrow should be fine. But he couldn't really, like, guarantee me anything other than, like, it should be fine. It was just, like, some water pipe busted, but they fixed it. So I was like, okay. So then I went to my hotel, and I parked in my hotel, and as I'm walking inside, a transformer blows up over my head, <laughs> like sparks everywhere, extremely loud. I thought someone shot me. And then I walk inside, and the whole hotel's out, no power. And the lady's freaking out. Everyone's coming to the lobby, yelling at her, I'm like, and she can't check me in. So I, like, find a different hotel across the street. I go into that. Okay, so I'm checked into my hotel. So then I'm like, I'm going to go get some food. I go to Chick-fil-A. <laughs> And the Chick-fil-A drive through line is really long. So I'm like, I'll park right here at Walmart and walk in and just go get my carryout food. So I walk up the door and the dining room's closed. Because, oh, you know, it's, it's Chick-fil-A during COVID. It's COVID, yeah. But that was the last strike for my uh, step was... two journey. Everything else after that was smooth. Did pretty well. All yeah. as well. Yeah. You did amazing. You're amazing. Thanks, bro. Mitch is real smart, by the way. <laughs> but yeah, step two worked out great. I took every break. I ate like a snick, well, big shock. I ate a Snickers bar. <laughs> That's a great each break. testing uh, snack, though. Yeah, it worked. I um, had pistachios. Oh, well, look at you. And I think I had candy, too, don't worry. Okay. Um, what else? I mean, that's that's it. That's it. I mean, going through this all. So now we're at the point that everybody wants to get to in med school. We're at the interview stage of residencies. And the big question, I think, to answer is because the theme is sort of we're a charter class, right? There was, we had to pave this road on our own. Um, yeah. how has it been for interviews? So, I mean, you know, it's been pretty weird. We did at first, well, first of all, we didn't know how many to apply to. So we yeah. kind of like consulted Reddit and forums and like our advisors and everyone's got their own opinion and like it can vary based on your step scores and your application or how specialty. How many did you apply to? I applied to 53, which is, I think on the lower end, I think for this year. Yes. I applied to 91. I think, I feel like... I don't know if it was ever published on like what the average was. There's a, there's a, it was in JAMA, uh, 72. Okay, so we, we, split, I am, we split the difference. Yeah. You went a little higher, I went a little lower. And that makes sense, all <laughs> things considered. But yeah, I mean, like, I, I don't regret it. I think that I got, I think I have 15 interviews. Okay. And for the most part, they're at places I would really like to go to. 
Um, I think if I had applied more broadly location-wise, I would have got some cool places. But I, you know, I just one of the things for me is I really wanted to stay in the south, the southeast area of the U.S. Um, it's just more comfortable for us. And yeah, so I kind of went location-wise and then broke it down by schools I actually could see myself or programs I could really see myself doing well at, at least I could, as far as I could tell on paper. And Mitch and I had a bet going um, was that the person who had more interviews actually had to buy a round of Panda Express. Is that bet over now? Um, well, no, not until I feel like at least our rank lists are in. Okay, so we still have time. An interview could come in at any second. Though. That's true. Probably not, but it could. Okay. What are you at? 18. I'm not getting 19, so you're buying me Panda. Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, it's Can been... I buy you Spaghetto instead? I would rather you buy me Spaghetto. <laughs> okay. Sure, it's more All expensive. Right. <laughs> I mean, Panda sounds good, but... Oh, uh, okay. Maybe we'll stick to Panda. It's been it's been a fun time. How, how did you like interviews being online? Um, I loved that my interviews were online in terms of the... Convenience. Convenience of it and not having to fly anywhere. Um, and the whole, like you know, not, in my opinion, looking entirely presentable enough to go in person um, and have somebody see me in 3D. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> in 3D? Yeah. You know, you, you can you can hide a lot of online um, catfish in these programs. Yeah. No, uh, I, I liked that aspect of being able to do it from home. I hated, absolutely hated that I didn't get to go to the hospital and feel 100%. the energy because that means everything. I, without like, you know, just saying the same thing over again, I agree. I think that it's amazing that you don't have to spend, you know, 100 to $500 on travel every single time you interview. I think that's kind of crazy because you have to go on 15, you know, ish plus depending on your specialty. So I know it would have costed a ridiculous amount, but at the same time, at least for the schools I'm really serious about, like I would love to go, you know, see what rounds are like, see what the facilities are like, see what the, the culture in person is not is like, not just what a few residents are telling me over Zoom, which, you know, I've met some awesome people over Zoom, but there's nothing like going to the hospital, seeing the area. Um, so I don't know, not to give like solutions or anything. I just wish that maybe I've heard this presented like, after you put in your rank list, you could go do a second look somewhere um, where it's not going to impact your decision because the schools have already submitted their rank list. You've already submitted your rank list. It's just you genuinely want to go see. Or maybe like the schools have or the programs have submitted the rank list, but you haven't. Um, mm. So you get a chance to go like authentically check these places out without it affecting your ranking. Yeah, that would be it. That would be ideal. Ideally, it'd be nice to just go back to how it was. Yeah, but then you lose the benefits of the cost That's savings. That's fine. Just is what it is. It is what it is, yeah. right? Because it's the ball's in our court as applicants. And, and this is new too. It's what they did for decades, and nobody really complained about it. Correct. And people actually liked just traveling and seeing all the different places and meeting people, eating dinners. Yeah, yeah, I, I mean, agree. This is rank is applicant preferenced, and I think that's so important. Med school is not applicant preference; it's school preference, right? It's hard to get into med school, but residency it's, it's a bit easier. The numbers are higher. You have a 90-something percent chance, knock on wood, that you match. So um, it would be great to go to these hospitals and to just sit in the lobby or, you know, to just feel it, to know it. Yeah, even when, like, I would watch some videos on programs and the residents would be like, oh, you know, the second I walked into this hospital, I, like, I knew this is, like, my mm -hmm. place. So, yeah, I mean, that would be nice. Um, it's hard it's, to say that for Zoom. The second I logged on to Zoom, I knew. <laughs> the, I mean, like, playing devil's advocate, is it necessary to go? Probably not, but, it, man, it would sure be nice. I think it's necessary because you're working there. 
That's no, you're yeah. you're right. Yeah. For for any job interview, for I would most rather job interviews there. people have to fly out to yeah. interview at those 100%. places. hundred percent. I agree. For med school, not so much. And then, but I will say, the second I logged onto the Zoom for the place I'm gonna, I want to rank number one. I knew. There you go. Yeah. Did you? Yeah. Okay. But I kind of knew beforehand. They just kind of confirmed it for me. Were they playing classical music in the wind? <laughs> they were not. <laughs> As everybody was logging in. I don't know if that would have changed anything. So yeah, like wrapping this up, I guess you know we're we're pretty much at the end of what we wanted to talk about today. It's already been an hour and some change here. If you've listened to the whole thing, thank you. Wow. I, <laughs> what are you doing? Then why? I think we're cool people, but yeah. you don't have to. Either way, we have this. That we can listen to one day. If no one listens to it, at least we will. And maybe our spouses. Yeah, our spouses will for Probably sure Probably my to mom it. and dad. Aww. I think they're here hey. at this point. They've hey. made it this far. Hey, Mitch's mom and dad. So really at this point, we've done interviews. We have one laugh. We're basically done. We have 58 days till match day on my little countdown I Me saw. Me too, yeah, 58 days. In only about a couple of weeks, our rank list open up. And hopefully we'll have a ne- an episode about that whole process, sure. how it went, maybe, maybe not. I mean, it depends. If you guys like this, then, then we'll tell you how it ended up for us. Yeah, but If we matched. We're going to match. <laughs> Let's not jinx ourselves. <laughs> it's been fun. Um, it's weird not really doing a whole lot now. I have an elective coming up soon, but it's not really a, a hard elective. So I feel like I'm kind of done with medical school at this point, which is crazy. Um, we have match in March and then you know that's pretty much it we graduate in May but there's really not much we have to do afterwards and I have an elective I'm doing psych again um come February and then yeah I have nothing else going on um I am a part I'm a student on the ISA for our accreditation because our school should be fully accredited uh by October um and that sort of leads into the future of this 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 podcast um, or whatever it is. Yeah, so we kind of, um, we worked with a couple of the first year students that we met recently. They wanted to start a podcast too. We just kind of all had this idea of, hey, it would be fun. Um, something I've always wanted to kind of venture into. I don't really have any experience in it. Um, but yeah, you know, we, we've, we're kind of still thinking about what we want this to be geared towards. Obviously, like we're medical students, but there's people that listen to these type of podcasts that are either medical students or pre-med students. I feel like that is probably the general mix up. After medical school, I don't imagine most people listen to these type of podcasts that are medical student centric. Um, but, you know, you never know. So right. if you have any ideas, if you've made it this far and you actually enjoyed this, um, let us know. If you were just accepted to NSU and you want to know what the experience is like, you're one through four, knowing that we're the charter class, so hopefully it can't get any worse, um, <laughs> then this is a good thing to listen to. Uh, and going forward, you know, we have a lot of uh, topic ideas I and mean, you can send us your topic ideas Give us any name suggestions you may have for yeah, this we, podcast. We, we don't know. We specifically don't have a title just yet because we didn't want to force something. Uh, we wanted to see how this first episode went. So we'll either come up with something or somebody will let us know. I will agree that that sounds great. Um, but, yeah, thank you for listening this far. It's been about an hour and 20 minutes or so. Um, this isn't know. the last you'll hear from me and Mitch. Oh, no. We, yeah. we, we'll may, not, we may not be here every single time. We might switch up who's, who's hosting or, or what guests we have on whether that be medical students or faculty or residents or different types of doctors. Or my cat. Or one of our wonderful cats. Um, But, yeah, thank you for for hanging out. Thank you for listening. Uh, Please let us know if you have anything else that you want us to include, not include any critiques or 
Criticisms are welcome. Yeah, if you think I have a lisp, let me know because I'm not sure if I do or don't. And I've been really trying not to say um or like, which is something that is it's hard. It's really difficult. It's hard. And you got to use that silence, as you said, yeah. instead of just filling the air with ums, <coughs> ums and likes. You know what we likes. should do? Let's count and see who said more likes. With a the, little clicker? Yeah, and we'll go back through and then whoever, and we, you guys might want to know the results of this, but the, the winner or the loser, the person who said more likes... The person who said more vocal fillers has to buy the other person lunch. <laughs> okay. Panda <laughs> Express. No, Chicken Fingers at NSU. Chicken Fingers from Nova? Yeah, that's the next podcast topic. I did have those before the podcast, and they were wonderful. They're better than Chick-fil-A. Huh? Yeah, they're pretty good. Yeah, they're good. All right. Thank All right, you, guys. guys. That's it. Uh, uh, Till next time. Bye. See bye. Play out music. This is the song that plays you out. This is the song to say goodbye. It's a podcast. We are med students. Na 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 na